from a network of highly secure, top secret locations across North America. This is the Spurs Insider Podcast, first one of 2022. I am your host, Mike Finger, joined by Express News Sports Editor Nick Talbot, beat writer Jeff McDonald, and the travel-weary Tom Orsborne, who we all hope, we can only hope, does not have sugar in his coffee this morning. Tom, what is the update there? <laughs> I, can't, I can't break the habit. I, I'm, I'm continuing with the sugar, uh, even though it, uh, um, it uh, spelled the end of my laptop when I spilled, spilled some coffee on it. Uh, I, Tom, I learned, the, our, our value. Yeah, I Go learned ahead. something. It's better to drink black coffee if, you, if you're going to spill it on your laptop. Yeah. Somehow, Tom weathered on through adversity of this long East Coast road trip that the uh, local cagers just completed. Tom was there for all of it, sort of. He, he had to skip a trip to Toronto because of travel slash COVID protocol complications. And then you get to Boston and lose the laptop. But somehow he made it through. I'm not sure that the Spurs fared as well as the beat writer did. Um, everything sort of hit them at once, too. We were the last time we spoke on this podcast. You could kind of put two and two together and, and expect that just because the outbreak had not hit them yet didn't mean it wasn't going to happen. And it did. And um, they were kind of kind of a shell of themselves as expected and, and only won one game on that road trip. Tom, you were there for, for most of it. What were your general impressions? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like what what didn't happen, you know, beginning with, uh, you know, on the eve of the uh, Memphis game. Uh, well, it was December 30th, night of December 30th. The news breaks that Becky, Becky Hammond's taking the WNBA job. Um, then she tells the team the next morning. That about the news. Uh, they lose six players to COVID, um, you know, five, three starters, uh, two more key rotation players. Um, Primo goes home to Toronto to have a homecoming game in front of an empty arena. Um, Primo becomes a starter. Um, you know, they beat Boston. Uh, great game, you know, just a great game, great atmosphere there. Uh, DeJounte came back in that game off of protocols and, you know, he's had an incredible run since for a guy that missed five games. Um, you know, uh, they play twice in overtime. Uh, yeah, it's just, just so much went on, but like you said, at the end of it, they were one in six and, uh, don't have much to show for it. They played well in certain games. Like I said, that Boston game was a, for me, it was the most entertaining game of the season. But um, yeah, it's just uh, it was a it was a wild trip. I think what we're learning is uh, the, the Spurs are going to have trouble winning games with like five rotation players out. Like they're yeah. they're not they're not necessarily a team that's going to weather that storm on a nightly basis very well because you know it was hard enough when they have everybody in place. But it's sort of like two years in a row. Um, the, the, the COVID bug, literal, literal COVID bug hits them right when they're starting to start, start to do some stuff. You know, last year was kind of the same way. They won a few in a row. They seem to be kind of gelling and here comes like all the players and protocols. And then, uh, you come back. One could argue it's three seasons in a row. Good point. Good point. But this season you come back, um, 
from the previous road trip where, where, um, you know, that combined with some other good work, they had won 10 of 15 games and were kind of playing as well as they played all season. Then you lose DeJounte for the start of this trip. And then the whole snowball effect starts uh, rolling downhill after that. And I don't want to like, you know, put myself on the same level as Tony Fauci, but I do think the last time we convened on this podcast in 2021, I, I, I predicted that the uh, that that seven game East Coast trip was going to be trouble as far as COVID goes because you know I'm a genius and no one else could have seen that coming, but I did say that out loud and sure enough, you know it's it was one guy after another and most of those guys are still in protocols as we speak. I'm no Tony Fauci either, but I don't think I don't think they got it on the East Coast. <laughs> I think it started at the beginning of this, and I think you know the, this is kind well, of a silly argument as to where they right. got it. You're, but. you're right. You're right. You are not Tony Fauci. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, you know, we're talking about a team that just went one and six on the road. A team that has now out. Would I guess probably since we did our last podcast jumped into the play-in situation and now has fallen back out of it. This is a rebuilding year. Greg Popovich has acknowledged as much from the beginning. So it can be kind of silly to, uh, to paint the all you know, rose-colored glasses photo of what's going on. But there were some, there were some interesting things that happened, in, as, as Tom mentioned, on this road trip that where so much went wrong. And um, to start out with the guy who probably got the biggest opportunity as a result of this, Joshua Primo, um, what do you think, Tom, of how he acquitted himself early on in his run as a starter, which probably will not last very long and, and might end up uh, back in the G League before long? Solid. Solid. You know, uh, that's that's the best way to describe it. He was solid. He had his moment, um, you know, in the Brooklyn game. Um, sending it to overtime, sinking a three on a nice kickout pass from Lonnie. Uh, had a great, uh, drew a great charge against Harden late in that game. Um, you know, uh, he's kind of Derek White Jr. in terms of drawing charges. Um, but yeah, he was solid, not spectacular, but but he acquitted himself well on both ends. And um, I asked Pop, you know, I was thinking, has this stint, as a starter, maybe changed the thinking of sending him back to Austin once they get healthy. And Pop reiterated that, yeah, he's he's headed back to the G League for more seasoning, more minutes. Um, but, you know, he like I said, he acquitted himself well. I thought that the um, Brooklyn game was great for him not because he was great the whole day, but because he struggled so much early and, and stuck with it. And we, Tom, you and I both talked about that with him after that game and, and some of the lessons that he learned um, mm-hmm. playing against, I mean, James Harden and Kevin, there were, there were plays, key plays down the stretch where he ends up guarding either James Harden or Kevin Durant. And I'm, I don't think either one of them scored on him in, in those plays. And like you mentioned, he hits the big, three-point shot after I think he was three for 15 before that yeah. ends up making the, the, the open three that wound up forcing overtime. And, you know, did, did he make a few mistakes down the stretch? Sure. But I guess if we wanted to get into this age old G league question again, um, it's probably worth 
talking about whether more games like that, that game was on Sunday morning, (laughs) um, more games like Sunday where he's sort of overwhelmed, but then has the chance to work through it. Does that do him more good than going back to Austin and developing the sort of team leader uh, parts of his game? I I think there's more than one way to look at it, but um, I I guess what I'm saying here is it's, 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 it's probably worth it for for him to have had an experience like that against Brooklyn, which he, he told us, he said, he'll probably remember this forever. Um, and maybe that that can complement some of the stuff that happens in Austin. But I, I sort of enjoy watching the youngsters have to figure it out in a game like that. He's going to tear it up when he gets back to the G League. That's what I think. I think that's yeah. what's in the future. As soon as this COVID uh, outbreak subsides among the Spurs, he'll be back in Austin for there's not that much G League season left. Right. You know, it ends yeah. in like what, February? So next month. So, you know, as soon as he goes back to Austin, he's going to tear that place up for a little while, and then, uh, you know, he'll be back. I guess the thing about, you know, having a chance to play and make mistakes and figure it out for a young player, yeah, that's good, but if the Spurs are at full strength, does he really have that chance? That's the question. The Spurs are at full strength, and he goes out there and screws it up. Does he have a chance to figure it out, or is he just out of the game and, you know, Derek White's playing more or something like that? I mean – like you said, there's two ways to look at it, and I don't, I don't really care. Like, whatever they do with him, there's benefits, there's pros and cons. He's going to be fine. Like, I don't think we're going to look back in 10 years and go, you know, Josh Primo would have been a Hall of Famer, except he was in the G League for a couple of games in 2022. Like, I don't think we're going to – I don't think it's going to make a difference one way or another. From an entertainment standpoint, it is kind of fun to watch different guys play sometimes. I thought it was sort of fascinating to – and, and and maybe you guys recognized this earlier, but um, how much point guard there is to his game. And I'm not sure what he ends up as position wise in the league. But even though he was starting alongside DeJounte the past few games, uh, there's there's just plays. There's moments where you think that may, maybe maybe he's a point guard. I mean, maybe maybe that's what he's going to play. And he, I think they, they have said they expect him to grow more. And if he's six four now, um, he's already a big guard type but he he's a playmaker and he over and over again jeff has mentioned this tom has mentioned this he recognizes the right pass and that can be in the half court that can be when he tries to to push the tempo a little bit when maybe the defense isn't expecting him to i think there's there's really good and this isn't groundbreaking but there's really good basketball instincts there that was i i I think the spurs were encouraged by Yep. Yeah, and I, I think he's come a long way in in that regard. You know, we haven't seen a whole lot of him at the NBA level uh, playing on the ball. Did a lot of did a lot of a lot of that in the G League. Um, his one season at Alabama, I remember talking to his um, college coach at Alabama, who is a fellow called Nate Oates, and you know he's, he he said because if you look at Primo's numbers and, as a freshman at, at Alabama, it doesn't really scream lottery pick, which is true for a lot of guys. But, you know, he said Primo was at his best at his one college season as a, as a catch and shoot guy. And we tried to put him on the ball some and just give him that experience and have him learn that. And he had to work through it and he wasn't as good in those situations. And then we moved him back off the ball for a while just to be a catch and shoot guy. He was good again. Um, So that really wasn't his, his bag in college, which was just last year. 
So the fact that we're seeing that from him in, in this limited exposure at the NBA level really, to me, speaks to the leaps and bounds that he's made in that regard and maybe his coachability, his teachability, um, his ability to adapt and learn learn new things. And I, I think if you want to make a case for why the G League has been good for him, I think that's that's one thing you could mention is he was able to go down to the Austin Spurs and play almost exclusively on the ball and learn a little bit more of that position and you're seeing him being a lot more com- comfortable um, with it at the NBA level. And I think it also goes back to, like we mentioned earlier, I think he just has a very high basketball IQ to begin with. Um, always seeing that, that, that right pass to make. I, I, I kind of mentioned that at some point during this trip on Twitter that, you know, his obvious NBA skill right now is the catch and shoot, catching and shooting. But he's always making the right pass. And it doesn't necessarily result in an assist or a basket, but it's always, sometimes it's a hockey assist. Sometimes it's the right pass and the guy flubs the layup, whatever. But he, if you watch him a lot, you start to recognize that he always knows where the ball should be at all times. That's a good point. Uh, there were a number of passes in, in the games he started where he hit guys, you know, he hit them in the right spot and they just couldn't convert. So his assist totals, uh, yeah, would have been a lot higher. But yeah, it's it's uh, he has as Pop said, it's an innate ability. He understands the game and and you know um, you know spacing and just just the passing dynamics so well. And he's nineteen, like he's nineteen. Mm-hmm. And that's what I keep coming back to. He's got so such a big, so much further to go in basically every regard. So there's a lot to like there and a lot to be excited about. Um, I don't know many Spurs fans that are that are killing that pick anymore. I know in uh, back in the summer, you'd hear from a lot of Spurs fans that couldn't believe um, they took this who who's this this Josh Primo who who from where twelfth twelfth overall. I don't hear that as much anymore, and it's not like he's just set the NBA on fire, which is also kind of funny to me too. Um, he's come in when he's had to come in and been solid, but I think he's won over the fan base. That was that's that's always that's kind of the cycle of. NBA fandom, I think everywhere is um, you always embrace the new thing. Eventually <laughs> there's yeah. always reason for hope. Uh, this isn't the same thing, but um, exactly. But uh, the one funny thing about watching the Knicks at Madison square garden um, is how crazy those fans there. And it's happened before like Glenn sanity happened. There it was a new thing and it was just the best thing ever. When when R.J. Barrett gets the ball anytime and in any quarter, like against the Spurs the other night, like the place goes, they're expecting him to do great things because he's the new fad. Meanwhile, they're just booing the hell out of Julius Randle, who was last season's sensation. They boo Randle at every opportunity. It's just kind of flavor of the month type of stuff. Yeah, and I the think that uh, on just uh, yeah, it's just so severe. It is. It is, and. uh you know, I, I think that the Knicks and New York fans are an exaggerated version of that. But I think every fan base in just about every sport kind of goes through the, well, this next guy is the savior. We might not have liked it when, when they signed him or drafted him or whatever, but now he's great. And the guy we liked last year is done and we don't want to see him anymore. And uh, the, the, the Randall thing was just amazing. And I know he probably was a bit overrated in terms of what he did last year, but they just do not like him anymore. 
and love RJ Barrett. That'll probably change the next time we go to MSG and hear people talking about how I'm standing here, <laughs> uh, which is the best place in America to say that. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, before our next podcast, we probably should talk about people who might not be with the local cagers anymore. I mean, you're, uh, your Jalen Morris's, your Tyler Johnson's, your who else have they signed? Uh, uh, Devontae Kaycock up from the G League, who actually is playing pretty well. Andrew um, Lamb. Andrew Lamb. It's been quite something to see these guys kind of settle in. And I think the, the time you can talk about this, but the players seem to like them. Pop has learned their names for the time <laughs> being. He says he uh, – he, did, he didn't know them necessarily pregame some nights, but they're they're kind of doing what they're around to do with their 10-day hardship deals and holding down the fort. Yeah, you know, um, Kaycock, there's a physical presence about him. You know, he hits the board so strong. And I was thinking, you know, he's just in the wrong era. To, you know, in the 70s, he would, have a, he would have a lifetime job as an enforcer type um, yeah. back in that day. He might but, be one uh, who... To, to, to be clear, he's um, he's 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 around for the season, probably. And he's on a two way deal. Yeah. Um, whereas the other three guys we mentioned were on the 10 days. So, I mean, they, they like Kaycock. I, I don't think he's a huge part of the future, but you, we might see more of him down, yeah. the, down the road. Tyler, Tyler Johnson is probably not long for silver no. and black. But as, as Pop said, Tyler is Tyler. And who can disagree with yeah. that? It's such an interesting, uh, interesting uh, deal that's going on with these hardship players. You know, uh, Johnson, Tyler Johnson had a, a 10 day stint with um, the Sixers. Um, mm-hmm. And then he makes his spur debut against the Sixers. And uh, Doc Rivers said that, you know, he, he would have loved to have kept him for the rest of the year. Uh, so, but it was a numbers games with guys coming back and they had to let him, let him go. But, you know, there's there's guys that are coming back that they're excited they're excited to, as Tyler Johnson said, pull on that uniform one more time, and yeah. you know maybe maybe they 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 get that one more shot. But it's just it's an interesting thing that's come out of this, uh, you know, COVID COVID outbreak that the league has you know that has uh, hit the league so hard. So, um, but yeah, he he'll be gone, and the other guys too, but. Kaycock certainly has made an impression, um, you know, so yeah, it's just, it's just interesting what's come out of the hardship uh, cases. You know, you know how you can tell you have like a riveting award-winning podcast when the host is like, Hey, why don't we talk about Andrew Lamb now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You also, have, there's also a sign that you have a riveting podcast when the, uh, People who aren't contributing anything themselves criticize people who are trying to move the conversation along. That's always cool. Um, the guys, the guy who's been staying at home for the past two weeks. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Okay. I'm trying to do my part. So, so if you want us to win an award, what do you want to talk about? What's going to steer this into the uh, I, Emmy category of the, of the podcast? Another, Go ahead. Another. Uh, I'll save Jeff here, although he doesn't need saving. By <laughs> you shouldn't. Means, but. Don't <laughs> save Jeff. He's gonna, he can snipe from the back row, but he's not going to contribute anything on his own. This is <laughs> just like, uh, uh, go Another ahead, save him. Interesting thing is the guys coming back from protocols, you know, as we mentioned earlier, DeJounte Murray, I mean, he's he's 
he picked up not where he left off, but he picked up even better. And, uh, and hey, Tommy, Lonnie he's Walker, 25 years old. Yeah, exactly. Tom, yeah. I'm tw- he, he, I, he said, he, he told Tom and I, I don't know how old you are, but I'm yes. 25 years old and I'm in good shape. And I don't God, need to be sitting should, down. You should have made him guess. You yeah, should have been told fun. Him. Oh, he told him. Okay. Tom told him. I would have loved yeah. to hear what, what, what a 25 year old held. They think you, you people are. <laughs> but Lonnie too, who, you know, he, he has a template for our, for a, uh, a book or blog on how to, how to stay in shape without leaving your hotel room. He, he Correct. came back strong and aggressive. So, you know, McDermott, White, Keldon Johnson, Trey Jones, uh, you know, whoever else is out there coming back. Uh, maybe that's something to look at is how strong those guys come back. Because in a way, if you don't, if you're asymptomatic and, you, and you've got this time off your legs, you know, you're coming, coming back fresher and stronger. I'm going to guess Lonnie that Lonnie was- Walker's hotel routine is not the same as mine. <laughs> I, I like to eat like a ton of ton of snacks from the concierge lounge and watch Netflix. That's probably probably not what Lonnie Walker did. He, Lonnie said he was doing back and forth um, suicides from one wall to the next. Suicides that were what um, you know. I, I guess the Spurs stay in really nice four say, seasons yeah, types. Yeah, yeah. So they, uh, he might have uh, a little more room push-ups. to work around. Not like the Super Eight, like the rest push-ups. of ships. Dejounte is a good. Um, Topic though, Tom, you did a, you did a really good job there, <laughs> because he he's worth more discussion, um, not only because of how well he's played coming back, but uh, just kind of how he's involved over the whole season as the clear cut, without a doubt, leader of this team in just about every way. Um, thinking back a few months to to the preseason, it's it's almost funny to think that we were even questioning who would take over for this team, who would, who would be the leader on the court, who would be the leader off the court. It's been fairly obvious from the beginning that it's been DeJounte Murray, whether that turns into an all-star invitation this season, uh, that's, that's, that might not happen because of the Spurs record, because of just how many guards there are in the West, but he's really playing at an elite level in a lot of different ways on defense, on offense, and and in terms of being a passer, a scorer, a a clutch shooter. And if, if nothing else, the Spurs have learned this season that they do have a legitimate guy that, that, that can be a difference maker in this league. And and, and that's probably success number one for the, for this team in this rebuilding year. Before we get into all that, I, I, I seem to remember reading some content along those lines um, recently, do you want to do you want to tell people where they can find that content and, and other content like it? Oh, I, I assume that you're talking about ExpressNews.com or the hard copy edition of the San Antonio Express News. Um, What's the hard copy? Probably, is that like a, is that like a printed out blog? And they put it on it your doorstep. It is like a printed out blog that's delivered by uh, actual humans to um, brick and mortar that houses. Is, that sounds amazing. It's pretty amazing. It's retro. Um, also, you can get the links to all this stuff in the Spurs Nation newsletter at expressnews.com. But yes, there's coverage of DeJounte Murray's emergence as a team leader, as Jakob Pertl uh, mentioned the other day. He's a guy, when, when, when I asked people to describe DeJounte Murray's leadership style, um, the type of thing that the Spurs have had a lot of different styles over the years dating back to um, 
mean, you could go back to George Gervin, but David Robinson and, and uh, Tim Duncan and Tony Parker Walter, and Monty Ginobili, Kawhi Leonard, even in a way, they all had very different styles. Jakob quickly pointed out that DeJounte Murray does not shy away from confrontation and he will be tough on you and he will get on you. And the Spurs like that. And he, he's a tough love guy. And he might actually be this year now that we have feel good puppies and rainbows, Greg Popovich, who is always looking at the bright side of things like DeJounte Murray might be the tough cop with this team these days. Um, but the, he, he's, he's embracing that. And, and the guys like him, um, as Tom just mentioned earlier, when he came back from that week and a half, two week layoff from COVID, he, he was even better than he was before. I think he probably wants to be an all-star who wouldn't want to be an all-star, but I think he's also serious when he talks about, he cares about that far less than getting respect for the Spurs. He wants this rebuilding thing to work and he's, he's, he's a key part of it. He sure does look like a two to three time all-star just pointing that out now. Um, (laughs) But I think he's a lot, I think he's a lot closer than we would have guessed, you know, when I was saying that a couple months ago and he keeps this up. He's only two or three COVID protocol outbreaks away from being an all-star. And the only reason he probably isn't is because of the glut of guards in the West that just get it on either pedigree or the fact that they're, you know, they deserve it. Um, Just because there are so many guards with Steph Curry, Luca, Dame, you know, there's such a good guard play in the West, Chris Paul, you know, analytically, he's outplaying even a couple of those guys. You look at all the advanced stats, and he's technically been better than Dame this year, which is ridiculous to say, but Dame got off to a really slow start. So that's not really true. He's, if you want, let's look at like who might come down on the tie breaks. He's had a better season than SGA from Oklahoma City, if you look at records wise. But the glut of guards there is, is probably going to, you know, leave them at home unless there's a couple injuries or some COVID outbreaks. Yeah. And it's just hard, it's hard to make an all-star team 10 games below 500. I mean, it happens. It happens, but it's, it's, it's definitely a demerit. Not, not and, to that's talk why, about and that's why, you know, Nick mentioned it from earlier this season when it's, it's st- still to this day, DeJounte hasn't made one yet. And I think the discussion was, are there two guys who will make two all-star teams on this list on on this roster? That's still probably, um, I, it's not a slam dunk, but I'd probably take no or yes, just because it's really hard to make one and to think of two guys who could make two off this roster. That's, that's asking a lot. You could be a really good player like DeJounte is this year and maybe not get in. Um, so, uh, but I, I, I think it would be cool for him to get to go, um, just because he generally does, uh, raise his level of play to the competition. He loves playing against like LeBron James. He loves that pop gave him the option of not playing in Madison square garden. And of course he was going to do that. Um, like he, 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 he thrives on those types of stages and, uh, I think it'd be cool for him to go, but I, I guess the reason why I am leaning a bit pessimistic on it is because, uh, you know, it's like, like Jeff said on, on a, on a team that is 10 games below 500, it's hard to get in. And I think he has bigger goals than that anyway. Yeah. That's like, and as I was saying, analytically, he's better been better than a couple of those guys, but even Devin Booker, he's almost on every analytic level. He's been better, but the Suns are, 
who they are and the Spurs are who they are. And if you get choosing between two of those guys, it's going to be Devin Booker every single time. And Chris Paul. I mean, it's a, the all-star game is an exhibition game for fans to see the popular players that they want to see. It's not necessarily a, um, an analytical exposition. Um, so that yeah. might be unfair in a way, but I mean, that's what, the, that's the point of the game is to entertain people. And Spurs fans would be highly entertained by DeJounte Murray. And he absolutely deserves consideration, but I don't think it's the hugest outrage in the world uh, for the, the, the best players on the best teams to get in. Is, yeah. is basically the point. <laughs> yeah. And those, those um, reserve spots are filled by the coaches who always tend to lean right. towards, you know, lean towards winning teams. And it was like, and right. that worked in the Spurs favor for a long time. You know, right. not that he didn't deserve it, but Tim Duncan was getting in in years where he was averaging 13 points or something because the reserve coaches wanted to wanted to reward, you know, Spurs for winning 60 games or whatever. Manu, as great as he was, never had the best statistical case for for inclusion. He didn't make it that often. But, um, you know, well, it, 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 when, when you win, good things happen for you. And uh, the Spurs, I think, as we wind this first podcast of, 2022 down. Um, I think that's probably a lesson that we can sort of conclude on is, is, uh, is, you know, expect good things to happen when you make good things happen. And are you trying to interject before I close this? Well, I was going to say, speaking of winners, we, we should, we should give a little nod to Jock Landale. That's was true. A big winner on the road trip proposing in the very romantic winter wonderland setting of uh, central park and, and, Getting a yes, uh, a little bit of a delayed less yes, as Mike detailed in his column, but uh, that was that was kind of neat. I found it uh, quite amusing when <laughs> when, uh, when Jack Landale was describing this extravagant proposal to his longtime girlfriend from Australia in Central Park. When Jack Landale looked out at Tom Orsborne. Uh, your your humble host here, and Taylor Hare from the uh, from the San Antonio Spurs, and he he looked at three of us and said, "I'm sure all of you know what all everything that goes into uh, a proposal like that." When only one one of those people understood it, but I was glad that Jock gave us that kind of credit. Jock is making good things happen for himself. He had a he had a solid road trip. The Spurs can just hope that they can keep making good things happen for them, and maybe they will get the accolades that come along with that. That is something for us all to think about as we take care of each other and keep it real. Mm -hmm.